Hello and welcome. I'm Bonnie. And I'm Lily. And this is Little Home Organised, a podcast dedicated to helping you declutter, get organised and reclaim time for the things you love. Grandpa used to say it. Yeah, you can pick your friends, you can pick your nose, but you can't pick pick your your friend's friend's nose. nose. (laughs) Not as profound as I was remembering it to be. Okay, which professional organisers you? (laughs) Which, um, if you're in Brisbane, a little misorganised. You're right there. (laughs) Yeah. I'm all good. Good. Okay. (laughs) So tired. Hello and welcome. This week we're talking about wrapping up a deceased estate. We'll talk about managing the emotions versus the practicalities of what needs to be done, how to manage all the stakeholders, you know, family members, and how to break the task down to stop the overwhelm. Before we start today's episode, I just want to do a shout out and say thank you to everyone who has rated and reviewed the podcast so far. If you're enjoying, can you please head on over to Apple Podcasts and give us a rating and review? It really does help us and we love to know what content you are loving so that we can provide more of it. Absolutely. So in this week's episode, we're talking about wrapping up a deceased estate. Yes. So the important thing to remember before you actually start wrapping up the estate is to give yourself a little bit of time to kind of help work through the emotional stuff first. Like a few years ago, someone sent me this little, I guess, not even a video. It was um, like a, oh, come on words. They're failing me. It's getting to that time of day. Um, (laughs) We'll link it in the show notes, but it was like an article that talked about the grief button. And it basically had an image of a, of a box And a little red button uh, inside the box and a ball bouncing around the box. Now, the button stays the same size no matter where you are in your grief process. But when you first start grieving, the ball is huge. So basically, anytime this ball is bouncing around in the box, it hits the grief button and you get that kind of wave of grief. And then as time passes, slowly the ball begins to get smaller usually. And so every time it hits the grief button, it still hurts just as much as it did when it was fresh, but it's perhaps happening less often. Mm. And so it's a really great analogy for how grief can really affect us. And I think it's important when we are wrapping up a deceased estate, especially if you are that executor who has been charged to actually do that wrap up, that you make sure that you take some self-care to help you manage your emotions and and help you deal with the logistics and the practicalities of what is really a very daunting and difficult task at times. Yeah, it absolutely is a really challenging time. You're going through so much with your grieving process, coming to terms with everything that's happened, and then you've got all these logistic considerations as well. Wrapping up an estate, it's no small task. No, it's really not. And before you get to the wrapping up of the actual estate side of things, give yourself the space to breathe to get through the preliminary stuff. So try and get through the funeral or the celebration service or the cremation service first. Once someone has passed and you need to notify people, make sure that you notify family and friends, you seek help for creating that funeral or celebration service and that you actively put out any fires that need to be put out because that person has passed. So for example, we've been helping with the deceased estate recently and that person was getting a pension and you sometimes only have like 14 days to notify the local authority who's paying the pension that that person has passed so that the pension stops getting paid. So find out are there any other sort of entitlements that they are no longer entitled to and and notify once you have a death certificate, those kind of places. So it might be like superannuation, insurance, insurance. 
Yeah, all of that kind of stuff. Um, as well as obviously getting the legal advice because only when you have the legal advice about, hey, this is what the will says and, hey, this is the person who's the executor in case you didn't know, these are the beneficiaries, this is how the proceeds need to go when you're selling a house. We've had a, a client recently who the family member passed away. He was in his mid-90s and the beneficiary was overseas. And, of course, during this COVID time... Oh, that's tricky, isn't it? That's very tricky and that person couldn't travel to help wrap up the estate, although I don't think they were in a a health position to be able to do so anyway. So this client of ours was tasked with kind of being the executor of the estate, but there were all these little balls that had to be juggled because she wasn't actually the beneficiary. This person overseas was the beneficiary. So trying to juggle the legal side of things and basically the liquidation of all of these assets and family members who want to help or family members who would like to take some sort of memorabilia item from the person or the people who have passed, there's there's a lot to manage. So that's what kind of inspired me to want to talk about this today because I think the more help we can get when we're wrapping up deceased estates, the better off we are. You know, education is important. Being informed is important because when we know more, we can do more. Absolutely. So if we are at the point that we've, you know, gotten through the funeral, we've done those like key things that need to be done straight away, we've informed family and friends, we're now at the point where we're like, okay, I need to get started on wrapping up an estate. What do I, where do I even begin with that? Well, it's just like when we do our five Ps, our organizing formula, the first step is always to plan. So when we don't have a plan, then we plan to fail. You know that saying, fail to plan? Plan to fail. Yeah, it's it's 100% true. So And very, what's the word? <laughs> it's a wordy kind of afternoon. It is that kind of afternoon, isn't it? It's not. Oh, goodness me. Moving on. <laughs> no, I want to get it. When you, it's depressing, but that's not the word I was looking for. Oh, okay. Disheartening? Like sombre. Combine sombre and, de- oh, the English language, we've got too many options. It's all right. Somebody's yelling it out at you. Just just send it to us on um, Instagram yeah, please DM or something. Us. Yeah. So first step is making your plan. So who are the stakeholders that are involved? So what family members need to be involved? Um, because maybe it was a parent that passed and you've got siblings that um, are involved or maybe there's cousins or aunties and uncles or, you know, like there's there can be so many people that are involved. So write down who are the stakeholders, who needs to be involved in some way, who's going to want to have a say. Some people won't and some people definitely will. Yeah, and and that's – I think that's the honestly the trickiest thing about wrapping up an, a, a deceased estate. It's managing the people. Yeah, and um, – We actually had some clients a few years ago, like this lady hired us and it was for I think one of her parents that had passed away and she was there with her daughter and our organiser was working with her directly and then there was another sister who came in. They both came in from interstate and they got into this massive argument and this massive fight to the point where it was really, really uncomfortable for our organiser and our organiser basically offered to our client, I, I think I should actually go. I don't think me being here is actually very productive. And the client was like, I'm really sorry, but you, I think you're 100% right. Like we need to sort this out and, and we can't actually do that and you, you shouldn't have to witness this basically. So yeah, there can be a lot of hostility and volatility um, involved. And especially if there have been divisions Mm. in the family previously, or this person's not talking to that person, or we've cut that person off, or, you know, you have different ideals and morals. I mean, let's be real. Family is complicated. Oh, we would never pick our family, honestly. I mean, I love you, but like... (laughs) Am I the exception? (laughs) Yeah. What do they say? (laughs) You know, you you can pick your friends, but 
you can't pick your family. What's the no? There's a saying that involves your nose. Yeah, yeah. You oh, can Grandpa pick, used to say it. Yeah, you can, you can pick p- your friends, you can pick your nose, but you can't pick, pick your, your friend's, friend's nose. nose. <laughs> Not as profound as I was remembering it no, to be. No, but when you're like seven, that's pretty you're awesome. Like, oh, you're, that's funny, Grandpa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when you're making this plan and you've written down who the stakeholders are, then you've got to actually identify, okay, what do I need professional help with? Like is there a lot of rubbish at the property and we don't have a trailer or we don't have the physical capability so to like get it to the tip? a company like 1-800-GOT-JUNK got would be yeah, good? Yeah, 100%. Do you need a professional organiser to help you kind of project manage because it's so overwhelming? Mm. Do you need an auctioneer? Yes. You know, are got there some quality heirloomy. Yeah, are there some valuables antiques? there? And we'll go into this a little bit more detail in, in a minute, but actually write down in your plan, okay, who do I actually want to be involved from the family side of things and who do I need to outsource some of these professional services to because I just have no idea. Yep. And then, of course, when, when you are making a plan, you need to consider who's going to be notified about the death and how you're going to go about it. Yeah, so when when we were actually wrapping up this estate recently, a washing machine repairman rocked up at the, the residence because the person who had passed had been having an issue with their washing machine and Oh, that's so awkward for Yeah, that and so like in between the last time this person had come and, and now, which was maybe two weeks later, yeah, the person had passed away. And it was a very sudden passing. So it was like not expected. And we had to kind of inform this repairman, like, I'm really sorry that the you know, this has happened and he was like, oh, um, okay, I'm going to go back to my boss and because, yeah, like, I, the, you know, the boss needs to make the decision about, yeah, what we do going forward because it was like one of those organisation type services that was funding the change. But since the whole property was getting liquidated anyway, it was almost like, well, that might not even be something that needs to be worried about right now. Yeah, so many things that you got to consider. So that's kind of part one, right? We want to make a plan. Part two is looking at how we're going to manage family members because you do need to manage family. Yeah, you do. And I think one of the most important steps in managing family members and everybody having their opinion and stuff is making sure that you have open communication and transparent dealings. So Mm. have like a Facebook group or a WhatsApp group where you put progress reports in there. And I remember we actually did this in 2016 when two of our grandparents passed and we were helping go through the stuff in the house, we had this great extended family Facebook group that we still use today where we would put pictures up of particular items and say, you know, does anybody want this? And mm. um, we had some really great communication yeah, going in there. I think that works really great because it means that everyone feels like they can have a say. Yeah, and particularly our grandpa who um, passed, he was a wood turner and he was really handy. And so he had all these beautiful pieces of turned wood that, you know, he had made into pots and pens and you know dishes and like just really cool things Mm -hmm. and so that was really nice to make sure that all of the grandkids you know got at least one piece that he had handmade and you know stuff like that so that was that was a really great way to not only I guess wrap up the estate and the stuff side of things but also make sure that the family members and the people who wanted to keep some of those items, whether they were for sentimental reasons or practical reasons of, oh, hey, yeah, that's a a couch. I'll take that because I need a couch. That was really, really useful. It's considerate and it's making sure that everybody feels like 
they're given the option to be connected to that person through mm. through um you know a piece of memorabilia or what have you or just by you know you jumping in there and putting in the group chat an update this is what's happening you know we've considered options a b c and d we've decided to go with option c for these reasons we understand some of you probably would have preferred option b but unfortunately due to this we couldn't yeah. do it and then everyone is like okay there's a lot of thought that's gone into this i feel included you know and i think that's it kind of comes into like what i would say is another point on this one is that you are going to have a lot of opinions Mm. but at the end of the day you still have to have someone who's kind of in charge who gets the final say because in life we're never going to 100% agree with everybody no no that's true this is this is a time where you don't want everybody to be having a a huge disagreement so Mm. if there are different parties of different thoughts and a decision has to be made you know there does need to be one person who's kind of in charge and can make the final decision yeah and that's where having an executor is a really good idea for the legal side of things but in like our grandparents case you know our mum and our two aunties who are all sisters they were all equally making decisions and they managed it really really well because they have really good relationships and they talked a lot and it doesn't mean that it went perfectly there was always you know a little issue here or there as there will be when emotions are involved and things like that but Overall, it was a relatively smooth experience that really does come down to that open communication and that that good relationship because at the end of the day, the stuff that you're disposing of is just stuff and, and that doesn't matter in the long run. It doesn't matter in the long run and the one thing we know about stuff is that it's heavily intertwined mm. with, you know, so, yeah, so we've got to be really mindful in this step making yep. sure that we're um, doing our best effort to um, communicate about it so that we don't lose relationships over what you know what you just say a bit of stuff yeah that's right so okay which professional organizers well I mean (laughs) you which um if you're in Brisbane a little misorganized um but which professionals would you engage in this situation at this point in time yeah so it definitely depends on what your capabilities are and what you're willing to do the work for yourself Mm -hmm. as the person wrapping up the estate but you might need to employ someone like an estate auctioneer who can basically take care of the sale of all of the saleable items in the house and they can sometimes take care of the actual property sale as well. Uh, You might need like an antique or an art dealer to help you, uh, especially if there's some original paintings. On that note, I just want to mention, um, you know, we have this desire to have our, our parents and our grandparents' antiques validated financially where the market's not really there for that anymore. And if you look around on social media and friends' houses and stuff, generally speaking, the fashion and the trend is light, bright, Scandinavian type furniture and, you know, decor and stuff. Whereas 50 to 100 years ago, if you got given something at your wedding, you had it forever because A, it was good quality. Yes. (laughs) But B, there wasn't this kind of ever-changing fashion of the new and the the latest whatever and that that's and it was a it was a part of the family that got handed down from yes. generation to generation yes and when you look back at say the 1950s and you see the magazines that would come out you know once a month and they would have like a catalog women would start to purchase newer items because they would see them in a catalogue, whereas now we have access to seeing new and, you know, advertising type materials like every five seconds. If, you, if you're on a social media platform, you are seeing an ad like very frequently and you think about driving around your suburb, you see ads all the time. And, in fact, they did a study where they basically said we see more ads in one year now than someone 50 years ago saw in their entire life. 
So no wonder there's this discontent where we constantly look at what someone else has got and go, oh, I want to change what I've got because it's no longer satisfying me. So in a roundabout way, what I'm basically saying is that you might think your antiques are really valuable and really priceless, but the market's not actually there for that so much anymore. So it's important to remember that. Yeah, unfortunately, being a bit more realistic, you may find that you're not going to get, if you were trying to sell it online, Facebook Marketplace, Gumtree, wherever, you may find you're not going to get as much for it. And if you take it to an auctioneer, they may tell you that it's not going to get as much as it would have in the past as well. Yeah. And it is really crazy when you speak to the antique dealers, just how much stock is kind of sitting around. And it is really good quality stock. And if you like the taste and the style and the decor, there's a lot to be found. But the reality is, yeah, antique dealers are turning down a lot of items unless they're kind of really quite rare. So another professional you're going to engage, of course, would be that would be beneficial is a professional organiser. They are going to come in and they're going to help you go through the whole process. Yeah, and while every organiser is different, generally speaking, an organiser is going to work with you to support you at your level. So if you need like a full service of someone helping you sit down, make the plan, okay, these are the uh, other uh, services we need to engage, this is the timeline, you know, making a bit of a plan and a project together, they will do that. If you just want an organiser who can come and help you with one particular room or one particular category, then they can help you do that. So that's the real benefit of a lot of these services is they will just provide the support that you actually need, not a all or nothing type. Yeah, package approach. deal. <laughs> yes. Um, and then, of course, like if you've got donations, then what should you do? Well, a lot of people don't actually realise with donations how much of that stuff is actually reusable. Like a lot of people will look around a house and go like, oh, this, this has all got to go to the tip. And actually, no, a lot of it's really good usable stuff and a charity would love it. Like in the estate we did recently, there was a huge amount of linen and I got in contact with a couple of charities nearby and all the towels went to a koala rescue organisation So cool. So So Australian. So Aussie, right? (laughs) Um, And that would have been five garbage bags full. And they actually came and picked that up, which was really helpful. Uh, And then there was another animal refuge that we sent five bags to um, of other linens. So it was more like your sheets and and your cottons and things like that. You know, you like we say this frequently, be mindful when you declutter. Like when you go to donate don't just chuck things in the bin. You you have so many opportunities at different levels. So if you have the good quality towel, you can donate it mindfully to like potentially an organization like Friends with Dignity, if you know, people mm, who are fleeing. A women's to, shelter or yeah, something. Yeah, a women's shelter. And then maybe it's a level down and it's, you know, a little rattier, you know, potentially does that one go to the mechanic or maybe it goes to the vet and then, you know, maybe down a level again and it's just a rag that you have in your house or you then decide to take it to the tip. So there's like lots of options for different levels of quality of items. Yes. But we can still be responsible about it. Yeah, yeah, we definitely can. And I guess the last thing that we need to kind of think about is do we need to engage some sort of rubbish removalist to help us with the items that are just in fact rubbish? Yes, I would be saying if you can't afford to, um, not doing several trips to the tip yourself. It's one of these things where you've got to balance up you know, your time, your mental health. Mm. And, and your physical your physical capacity is a factor es- too. Yeah, especially especially. Very true. So after the break, we'll talk about how we're going to start that process and some of the strategies that you um, would like to touch on as well, Bon. You've got mail. It's time for a listener question. Today's question comes from Nurkan in Cooparoo, Brisbane. Oh, another Aussie. 
All right. So Nurkan's question is, what is the best way to store stuff in your fridge to get the most out of your vegetables and fruit? Oh, this is a good question. Oh, it is. And so, I, I don't know that I necessarily have the answer because we eat our fruit and veggies really quickly. <laughs> well, I have some I have some tips. So one of the things that I invested in a couple of years ago was actually a ventilator system of plastics for mm-hmm. my fruit and veg. Mm-hmm. And you'll find that it increases the lifespan of them by a couple of weeks, which is amazing, especially if you are someone who gets irritated when you go buy a bag of spinach from the shops and it doesn't take long before it goes slimy and gross and you think, why do I keep buying this? Yeah. So putting it in a container with a ventilation system is good. Making Mm. sure that your fruits and vegetables, if they are in containers, don't sit in their own juices. So like, for example, if you cut up watermelon, pop it into a container, you need to be every couple of days draining the liquid out and that stops it from sitting and pooling and turning into or that Or get real... one of those containers that's got the little inbuilt plastic kind yeah. of tray. Yeah, and you can you can get like real basic ones from just like your general grocery store or you can get more flash systems like, you know, from Tupperware and things like that. Mm, yeah. And the other thing that we do um, for like our lettuce and our kale and our celery is – we wash everything as soon as it comes home so that it doesn't matter when you grab it out of the fridge, you know that it's already been rinsed off. And if you add a little bit of vinegar, that will actually really help um, get rid of any chemicals or pesticides if you are not buying organic. But we will actually use a tea towel mm. and we will put a freshly washed lettuce in the tea towel and it's still a little bit wet and then it makes the tea towel damp and it just kind of creates this kind of crispness. Um, and, and every couple of days we rinse it again and it goes back in a little bit damp and it just helps keep um, those products a little bit longer, which is, is really nice because um, when your lettuce loses all of its water and it dehydrates it's very sad and yeah wilty. it's very limp and <laughs> um, so that yeah definitely I would agree with you we do that for celery we wrap it in a paper towel sorry in a tea towel but then we also actually put it in a plastic bag as well mm-hmm. so there's some options there I think the most important thing is if you're buying fruit and veg from the shop is to take it out of whatever the packaging that it's yes. in yeah um, because you know that was ideal for transport into the store but that's not necessarily ideal in your fridge yeah another thing is I do see people using glass jars and filling them with water and sticking certain like, you know, sticking their celeries and their lettuce and their whatever in there to keep them like fresh. So that's something you can consider as well. Just keep in mind that whatever you are doing with your fruit and veg in your fridge, you need to make sure that you haven't got meat where it can drip on top of the other stuff if it was to melt. Yes, refer back to one of our very first episodes, How to Organise Your Kitchen Like a Chef, because Chef Kyle actually gave us the whole list of how you should organise your fridge with your meat being down the bottom so that it doesn't actually drip onto your vegetables, which Mm. was kind of a revelation for me, I have to admit. But whatever you do in organising your fruit and veggie, make sure it's uniform, Mm -hmm. okay? Because if you've got five different types of containers, nothing's going to sit very well next to each other. It needs to be uniform because it's going to look better, but you'll also optimize your space. Exactly. So yeah, hopefully that helps. And if you have a listener question, we'd love to hear it. So head to our Facebook page, Little Home Organized and send it in. Okay. So we're talking about wrapping up a deceased estate. And when you start the process of actually getting into the stuff, the first step is to make sure that everybody who is a family member or a close friend who would like to take something as a memorabilia item has had that opportunity if you're the executor of that estate. So have a party if you like at the premise and make, you know, invite everybody over. But it's important to allow people that time if that's available and and it's not a financial we have to liquidate everything to, you know, recover debt or something. Yeah, give them the opportunity. And I think another way, another thing that's important about this process, Bon, is like people are coming 
coming in and, yes, they're making a decision on things that they would like that maybe remind them of the person who's now deceased. But also it's an experience to go down memory lane too. Yeah, yeah. And so that can be a really nice process for that person to be engaged in when they come in and they look through all the belongings and be with family. And so it's important for several reasons, but it can be an important part of the healing process as well, being with people who are also experiencing that grief. Yeah. And you're all sharing that emotion together, which yeah. it's, it's a bit like having a wake, but it's just a different kind of Yeah. Um, so there's a couple of strategies that you can employ if you are wrapping up a deceased estate. So first strategy is you remove all the rubbish and all the clutter and you just leave all of the valuables that you want to liquidate behind for an estate auctioneer to assess, appraise, catalogue for sale in situ. So there are some auctioneers who will come and sell all the items as they stand in the house, but you just remove all the rubbish and the clutter. So all the donatables first. So that's option one. That's option one. So option two is the opposite, right? Yeah, where you basically assess and catalogue all the valuables, remove them from the home, and then everything that's left is just something that's donatable or rubbish. I think I'd like that. I feel like you would be you would go in and you'd be like, these are the things that I intentionally want to keep and then walk out the door. <laughs> you yeah, know? Yeah. Like if you're really like struggling, grieving, and there's just like a lot going on, which there generally is around someone's death, then just being able to say, these are the things that are going and everything else can be like dealt with. Yeah. Yeah. I love yeah. that strategy. And look, option number two works really well if you are using a professional organiser to help you mm-hmm. because they can help set up the sale with the auctioneer and then once that stuff is gone, you've basically said to them, look, free reign on the rest of it, you do You determine it. which charity that goes yeah. to. I know that I've taken what I want, what's important to yeah. me. Yeah. And we've taken the items that are worth anything to be sold. And then obviously your third strategy is just actually a combination of step one and two because you may find that there needs to be a little bit of both. A little bit of column A, a little bit of column B in the mix. One thing I wanted to real quickly throw into the mix for people who may not have, may have a loved one who is in their later years of life but has not yet passed away. We were talking earlier about like cataloging, like having those things around the house that are special. And we've mentioned this before, but I just want, not on this episode though. One of the things that I found really great was that you spent time when our Oma was in her later years going Mm. around and saying where would you like this to go where is this going to go and like it was being documented so that cross stitch is going here and that painting is going here so if you're in a position where you know this is in your near future engaging with that person to help them make the wishes for where those items are going to go and speaking to family members ahead of time can also help you through this process too. Yeah and that was actually her idea to have this bequeath list she had said to me at very points oh that that's going to that person and oh would you like this and and it got to the point where I said well I'm going to take a photo of all these things and catalog it and she was like yeah that's a great idea and so it really helped with the tidy up of her estate when she was moved into you know high care in a nursing home that we could easily say oh yeah well that's going to that person and everybody knew what was coming to them yes and it just made the process a whole lot easier a whole lot easier Mm. So you may want to sell things. What are some things um, that people should know? So if you are going to be selling items and you do need some help, an auctioneer is a great way and every auctioneer is different. So just ring around, find someone that you click with who can really support you through this process. Sometimes they will sell them in situ in the house and sometimes you'll have to actually take items to them. Same thing for art and for antique stealing. 
But what I've tended to find in the last kind of five to eight years is that they they don't have the time to just come out to the house anymore and take a look around. Like it's they're just too busy, they're too time poor, there's not enough money in it. So what they generally want to do is either do like a, a Zoom call with you or a FaceTime call with you where you can video and show them stuff or they want you to do a bit of a catalogue. So say you've got a bunch of original artworks, find out who the painters are, take photos of the paintings and the signatures, create up a little bit of a um, photo catalogue, send it through to a couple of art galleries nearby or fine art dealers or auction houses, and then they can tell you which pieces they're interested in and what sort of price that they might be going for because art, like the antiques... Subjective. It's very subjective and they're generally not going to sell artwork unless they're by kind of really, you know, notable artists. True. Okay, so donating items, we were talking about this briefly before. What are some of the things that we need to keep in mind about donating? Uh, Get informed. What is donatable? What's actually rubbish? And sometimes something might not be donatable to a charity, but it might be a freebie that someone would love. Yes. So that's where you can use your online platforms like Gumtree or Craigslist uh, to or Facebook Marketplace. As soon as you add free, people will come flocking. Yeah, they really do. And then the great thing about having like the rubbish removal right at the end of the process is if for some reason that stuff hasn't been picked up, the rubbish removal place can pick it up and it can go to a local tip shop or to be recycled or to be on sold at their premises. Uh, a little misorganized has a donation cheat sheet. Mm. So if you head to the website and just search for donation cheat sheet, it has a list as well, which can give you some ideas of where specific items can go and that can help you in the process if you're in Brisbane or in the nearby region. Yeah, and it also has some ideas that can be used kind of globally. Yeah, you can apply it to your own things. local place. Yeah, mm. for sure. So just in terms of the donations, a really quick thing that I wanted to just throw out there for people is some places to donate that you may not have thought of. So say you've got toiletries, contact your local refuge, whether it's a homeless shelter or women's refuge. They love that stuff. Do you have cleaning products that are left over? Contact a local cleaning company. Hey, come and pick up all this cleaning stuff if you'd like it. Good quality towels might go to a women's refuge or to an op shop for sale. Poor quality towels that have rips and stains might go to the vet or the animal shelter like we've mentioned. Other poor quality linens can go to your local mechanic for rags. They love that. If you do have those large items, offer them for free online, as we mentioned. Um, And sometimes if you're in a busy area, you can stick them on the curb if your council allows it. Okay. So let's say we want to remove rubbish. What are the different options we have with rubbish removal? So there's three basically. You can get a skip bin, which you pay like per day Mm -hmm. and you fill it yourself. You can buy a skip bag, depending on where you are. A bit smaller? Uh, no, sometimes, but still like big enough that they go on your lawn. Yeah, like the ones we use are three by three by three. So they're still pretty big and you can still fill like a fair bit of like concrete and heavy stuff in there. And then the third option is like someone to do a rubbish pickup, like one at 100 Got Junk, where they actually bring the manpower to do the heavy lifting for you. And that's what I said. woman power. (laughs) Yes, actually, there are some female, yeah, employees that work there as well. So if if you have um, issues with lifting stuff, that's definitely the option I would suggest. All right. So let's say you're ready. The day has come where you are at the house ready to wrap everything up. What are some of the things that we should remember? 
So communicate your plan with all of the helpers who are coming on the day. Make sure that you delegate. So, for example, recently we said, okay, this person's focusing on all the linen, this person's focusing on all the clothes, this person's focusing on the kitchenware and then the books. And everybody has their own category and then they can go around the house and make sure that they've kind of gathered everything up in that category. And especially if you've already removed the items that family members want or the items that are saleable, it is a lot easier to kind of do that process. And on that note, check things. Check hand bags, check luggage, check your mattresses, check pockets, check your books. It's amazing. Like The treasures you'll find. Yeah. A client recently found $50,000 in gold uh, in a safe that they didn't know about that was hidden under a floorboard. So yeah, check. Hot dang. Hot dang indeed. <laughs> check, check everything. <laughs> you rip those mattresses up. No, 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 don't do that. But yeah, just check all your books and things like that for any hidden goodies. Whew. So that's a lot of information, but it is super practical if you are in this position in life at the moment. If you're struggling with making some of the decisions as you go through this person's stuff, something that we have available that's a free resource for you is our decision-making tree. You can just head to our website, littlehomeorganized.com.au. You'll see on our homepage that we have a link there for our decision-making tree. And it basically, it's a tree of decisions that you follow all the way down to kind of help you figure out if you keep or throw or donate something. So hopefully that can help you if you're feeling a little bit stuck as well. And this week's tidy task is all about if you are in this situation to wrap up a deceased estate, make sure that A, you work out the legal stuff first, who's the executor, what does the will say, all that sort of thing. Uh, and then reach out to your family and outsource to professionals for help and then make your plan. Work out who needs to be involved, what needs to happen, what's the timeline. And of course, give yourself a breather if there's no urgency. Well, that is it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. And remember, progress, not perfection. See you later. Bye. Hey, we'd love to keep the conversation going. Head over to the Little Home Organised community group on Facebook, ask questions, find motivation and share your before and afters. And if you enjoyed the show, please help us keep it going by hitting subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you listen. It's free and ensures you do not miss an episode. But if you really want to share the love, leave us a rating and review. Trust me, it makes all the difference in the world. Oh,